0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: With me I have Michael Daly and David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center. Thank you for coming.
0: Hi, glad to
2: be here.
1: This is, I hope, what will be an interesting and informative uh, show today. We're going to talk about a couple of things that are really common, and many of you may have witnessed them even today, but probably most of our listeners have very little actual information about what we call ENDS, or electronic nicotine delivery systems. And we're also going to talk about hookahs. These are two different ways of delivering the addictive substance, nicotine, and there are many myths and not so many facts being shared with people out there. So I thought today we might want to just take a moment and and really sort out what is known and what is not known about using vaping or electronic cigarettes. We're going to start with that one first. This is something that I know many of our patients have opted to try. Often we'll see them pulling up in their car and the vapor from the e-cigarettes is actually much more dense, seems to be more prolific than mm-hmm. cigarette smokes. And and folks will drive up, or you'll see them driving down the road, and it,
3: it looks, looks like they, a cloud. Like their back seat's on fire.
1: <laughs> exactly. I, I wondered if they've checked that. So I know that many people are using these um devices for a variety of reasons, so I thought we would talk a little bit about that, and then a little bit about what they actually are, and do they really help people stop smoking? So um, when you see these electronic cigarette devices, they have been around since the um, mid-2000s. Most of them came from China originally. Now they've grown to over 500 brands. And I believe the information I read from the American Lung Association website, there's uh, almost 8,000. That's 8,000 different flavors. (laughs) I I don't think I could even name 800, let alone 7,700 different flavors that are used in these uh, nicotine um, liquid that they use to um, to vaporize the nicotine and to I'm I'm using air quotes, folks, but. Smoke the e-cigarettes. Mm-hmm. So this has been a very interesting phenomenon.
3: Yeah, it's it's pretty. The whole dynamic has changed. I mean, um, with the e-cigarette, nothing actually burns. There's nothing that's even burning. It's just vaporizing. And that whole concept is just.
2: What I found so fascinating about e-cigarettes is it's it's become this this method of taking a nicotine that people. Don't feel any sort of shame around, right? So they'll they'll you know they want to pull it out and, and and use it inside buildings. They when they're driving down the street and they're doing their their vaping. The as you said, the 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 vape vapor. Um, goes everywhere, whereas when you see people smoking in a car now, they tend to be a little bit more sneaky about it and they're hiding it more and there's been a sense of shame connected to regular tobacco or regular cigarette use that people are becoming much more closeted smokers but with e-cigarettes, they're back on the streets and they're saying, this is okay, this is safe and I can do this wherever I want.
3: Well, I think that's partly due to the fact that when they first came out it was sort of Touted as a way to quit smoking and a healthier alternative, right? So then people jumped on the bandwagon that oh this is this is going to help mm-hmm. me quit, and and young people got their parents to buy into the fact that oh they're they're going to quit smoking cigarettes and this is better for them and they can taper down and it's you know scientific and
1: it's electronic, uh-huh. it's futuristic and. And they do. That the one of the biggest myths I think is that these are um, that these are a safe alternative, not a safer potentially. And I'm using air quotes here too. A safer potentially safer alternative.
2: I think this show is going to be filled with air quotes today, <laughs> <laughs> with our safer methods of trying to consume nicotine.
3: Less amounts of nicotine.
2: There's definitely that that thought that they're able to control the milligram you know that they think that they can start with a three milligram vial and then they can progress after a period of time down to two and down to one and then they can just be vaping vapor um and and so far in our experience and, and granted this is just anecdotal but we have yet to see that as a successful means of quitting smoking for any um any person that that we're aware of that's tried that method
3: And most of the people that we see that started with an e-cigarette, you know, a month ago or or three weeks ago, when you talk to them that far into it, they're continuing to smoke almost as many regular cigarettes, but they're vaping on top of that. And their vape has gone from some degree of, of nicotine to a higher degree.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of times they might actually be lowering their milligram for their vapor vaping, but they're vaping more frequently and they're bumming other cigarettes.
1: Some of the studies are also showing, unfortunately, that the milligram amount of nicotine that's listed on the e-cigarette or on the liquid replacements varies widely and is often what's on the label is not representative of the actual amount of nicotine in the liquid. So from brand to brand, from one vial to the next time you buy the same vial, the amount of nicotine may vary widely, even though the amount, the milligrams on the actual vial is um, is staying the same. And that even some of the vials that say zero nicotine that just contain the flavor still, still have nicotine mm-hmm. in them. So I think that that's one of, the, one of the difficulties is if the idea is I'm using this to taper myself off of nicotine. And in many ways, that's what we do with nicotine replacement, if you're using a nicotine patch or nicotine gum as a way to taper off of nicotine, you are over time decreasing the dose, hopefully, and that's the way the nicotine replacement products actually help people stop smoking. If you have no idea how much nicotine it, you're actually consuming, and from time to time, vial to vial, and in when you're looking at different brands, it it would be very hard to be able to say that you're really decreasing or increasing your amount of nicotine because apparently it's kind of all over the place. And because the FDA has not fully tested these even though they now have jurisdiction over them, they've not been fully tested. And so, again, the quality control is very suspect.
2: So that's a change, that the FDA now has jurisdiction, because part of what I was thinking as we were talking about this was that this is one area um, that's still very unregulated. I know when we get to talking about the hookup bars that a lot of communities and and, and um, principalities are having a difficult time About clean air, and so looking at this related to the FDA, it's interesting.
1: Yes, there has been a big movement since 2010 and even before among uh, consumer groups and um, healthcare professionals to try and get these substances to be, or these devices to be under FDA regulation, just like there is regulation over tobacco and tobacco products, the, um, put, there's been really strong pushback for a long time. In late 2016, finally the FDA was given the jurisdiction with the information that now they are not to be sold to minors, they're not to be sold to children, and that if any of these are going to begin to, or continue to make the claim that this is a smoking cessation product, that that's going to have to go through FDA approval to determine that that is indeed a valid claim. so they can't be making false claims or undocumented claims about the safety or the efficacy of these uh, devices anymore unless they've gone through the FDA process. So there's this period of time where some of them are going through that, but many of them are uh, are still still
3: fringe
1: fringy and um, and still uh, out there trying to regulate since the internet has been one of the really primary ways that these have been marketed mm-hmm. and that these have been sold particular particularly to minors and preteens that's going to be much more difficult to regulate most people don't buy their um, their I'm not going to say any brand name cigarettes over the internet most of them go to the the store, the gas station, wherever, and buy their cigarettes. Uh, but many of these devices, at least in the beginning, were sold primarily over the Internet.
3: Well, I remember when we were in Canada, and um, Canada had, was a little ahead of the United States in the fact that they had um, put many of the same rules around their tobacco onto e-cigarettes. And, you know, I I could remember us talking to them and saying, well, the United States still hasn't kind of done that yet. But now the U.S. is starting to catch up.
1: And, um, you know, hopefully there will be some more regulation. um, But this wasn't until August of, of 2016 that they got jurisdiction and they can't evaluate all of these companies. I think one of the changes that we've seen, though, is that now there are actually stores, and many of you listeners have probably seen these as you've been on your drives to and from work or the store or wherever. The The vape shops or the, um, the cigarette shops, uh, many of these places have been set up mm-hmm. to sell these products. And so it, there are... Hopefully, more people being screened and minors not being sold these um, these devices. But David, just as you said, you weren't aware of this change. I think most people not aware of the fact that the FDA now has jurisdiction over these devices. So I'm not sure how many of these establishments are really, Understanding or taking seriously the age limits for these.
2: Well, and I think there's a lot of things that people just assume. Right. I think you just assume that it's a tobacco product, so you have to be a certain age to buy it, and that stores and places have to card. Um, and for a long time, that wasn't the case. There was a, a significant period of time where minors could go into a store and buy it, and it wasn't um, it wasn't considered a crime.
1: And that's, again, one of the distinctions that these manufacturers have made is this isn't a tobacco product. This is nicotine. There's not tobacco in this. There is only nicotine, which, of course, as we all know, is the addictive substance. So that's how they've heretofore gotten around. There shouldn't be regulation because this isn't tobacco, so
2: it's just natural
1: it's just natural it's just natural nicotine that has a wide variety of flavors added to it and because of this the marketing has been very specific to young people when we come back we're going to talk a little bit more about these devices and about the marketing please stay tuned
4: the disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge not just for the person suffering its effects
1: Obamacare is failing, but in order to get back on the right track with health policy, people need to be informed. Obamacarewatch.org is your resource to understand what's happening with this law and what you can do to stay active, stay informed, and make positive change happen. Obamacarewatch.org. Visit us now.
0: Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not... or your loved one, can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. This is Detailing Addiction, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today, David Donaldson, Michael Daly, and myself have been talking about electronic cigarettes, or ENDS, electronic nicotine delivery systems. There was a report that came out in December of 2016 from the... Surgeon General on e-cigarettes and the great concern that we have regarding these, and uh, particularly as much of the marketing and much of the flavorings have been directed towards children and young people. As we know... The tobacco companies over the years have been famous for their marketing campaigns directed towards children, and part of the studies are very clear to show that most people start smoking before the age of 18, well before the age that it's actually legal for them to, and they remain loyal to their brands throughout their lifetime. So... The same thing seems to be happening with the um, with the e-cigarettes and these devices. the The marketing plan has been, and some of the flavors and the names of the uh, flavoring of the nicotine liquid clearly is directed towards children and young people. The marketing campaigns on the Internet, again, clearly directed to a younger audience, although we certainly see uh, plenty of adults uh, using these devices as well.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So when we talk about what these devices are, they're usually made out of some type of metal. Some of them, and some of the early ones, actually looked like a cigarette, um sigalite like is that what they call it? sigalite like like so these uh the the tip of it would actually glow red or blue or various colors as you inhaled the vapor and there was um these were the, the earlier designs but all of these contain a reservoir or a cartridge that contains the nicotine liquid. As we were talking in the first segment about the nicotine liquid having varying degrees or varying milligrams of nicotine contained in each one of those, along with a flavoring and, um, and um, various other chemicals that may be part of the vaporizing process. There's a heating element so while it's not burning and there's not an open flame, there is an, a heating element that heats the liquid and causes it to vaporize or um, uh, become... Um, Animized. There's a power source that's usually a battery. Sometimes these are rechargeable, right. and you'll see people have units in their car or in their <coughs> wall that they can recharge their, um, their battery. And then there's a mouthpiece of some type that the person uses to inhale the vapor through. So this is a pretty consistent um, thing that you find in all of these. They look very different. Some of them are really quite dramatic, and some of them are really quite expensive.
3: Right. Um, I think they range from, like, $10 to $300. Um, the The price has dropped on them, I, I believe, since they first came out. I mean, the average, you know, when I talk to people that were... Using them, right, you know many of them spent one hundred and fifty dollars on the actual device, and then the cartridges w- were varying, but then they came out with the fact that you could um, buy it in bulk and then reload cartridges
1: so like the soap dispensers where yes. you buy the little dispensers and then you buy the liquid soap to refill
3: mm-hmm. which gave a lot of people that brilliant idea that maybe I'll use this for other things than just nicotine.
1: Right, like?
3: Like oils, marijuana oil, uh, da- dapping and, and utilizing different drugs that are vaporized and, and sent right into your system.
2: But they've also, you know, they're appealing to all, all kinds of different interests. And so they have them um, that will look like a bullet. They have some that will look like a USB data Stick. They have some that look like a uh, uh, carburetor, <laughs> um, just different sizes and shapes. Um, but I think, you know, the, the way our, our system markets everything and goes for every last dollar, they also found that there are people who aren't going to spend $300 for this, but they will go out and spend $5 for a one-time use thing, That and they'll tell themselves, so I'm going to just get this for tonight for this party, and it'll be a great, cool, fun novelty kind of thing. Um, But that's all it takes to get them started. You have this little novelty, and you're using it, and it it hits the the, um, system, and you get that relaxation from it, and you get a little dopamine from it, and it moves quickly from that to the addictive aspects that nicotine's been known for.
1: Mm -hmm. And when studies have been done looking at, at young people, at children, um, adolescents, and young adults, the, that, this is the most popular way that they use nicotine, and this is often the first way in which they use nicotine. The young people, the teens, have actually developed an interesting way of doing um, their own variation on using these vaporized um devices, and they call it dripping. Hmm. This is where they they open it up, they've got that the heated coil, and they will drip, drip or drop <laughs> the uh, liquid directly onto the heating element and then inhale the vapor. Their um, thought is that it creates a bigger a bigger, thicker smoke it improves the flavor because now they're getting a more intense flavor of the um, uh, whatever uh, thing they have chosen, and that it also produces a stronger hit. So they get a, this um, effect as it hits the back of their throat, and they're getting a more intense
3: nicotine. Uh, nicotine. Oh, it's just a bigger quantity of that drug going to their brain all at once.
1: And this larger dose is another one of the problems that we see. Now, the average cigarette, if you smoke the whole cigarette, you get about 12 milligrams of nicotine on average. Mm-hmm. Most of these delivery systems can have a, a higher dose, and you can actually be taking in more nicotine per use than you can get from the equivalent time it would take you to smoke a cigarette. So they're increasing their the concentration and the dose of the nicotine and this is one of the ways that it's really problematic and as these young people have now developed this way to increase the dose even higher where we're seeing a big a bigger problem. This is the same concept, I think, as them making the dabs, which um, is taking the marijuana oil Mm -hmm. and lighting it, heating it with butane and um, making a very sticky substance that um, they they now ingest and this now takes a 3%, 8% THC level up to a ninety percent or higher. So they're they're greatly increasing the dose, if you will, of the marijuana that they're getting with this method of use. They're increasing the dose of nicotine that they get in any um, any particular uh, time they use it. So this is um, this is something that that teenagers, one in four teens, report that they they use it in this way.
3: Can um, can they get? Nicotine poisoning from ingesting it as vapor.
1: Um, Probably not from vapor, but if with the liquid, you can. Right. One of the reasons that nicotine is in the tobacco plant is it acts as an insecticide, as a poison to bugs and insects that might be trying to eat the leaves. Nicotine is poisonous, and you can actually um, take a very small amount, and, and it can kill you. You can also absorb nicotine through the skin. We do have a few drugs and medications that can be absorbed through the skin, and nicotine is one of them. And one of the seven FDA-approved methods for tapering off of cigarettes and uh, delivering nicotine is a patch. Mm-hmm. And we know that these patches you can you can absorb it through the skin. So there has been at least one death reported from a child who drank some of the nicotine liquid and um, and C- because it was
2: cherry milk. flavored.
1: Because it was fit flavored, yeah, and it's got a lot of sugar in them,
2: well, and part of what what I always think about is the the addictive potential. and And what we talk about is the the faster something hits the brain, and the more something um impacts the the state of highness that the brain feels, the more addictive it is, and also the more damage that it causes. and And so, to hear that these, these kids are finding ways to get it to their brain faster and with more intensity just immediately speaks to the addictive nature of of what's actually going on.
1: And that is one of the things that we know consistently is that most of our folks who are struggling with the disease of addiction find increasingly ingenious ways of delivering their drug of choice or their dopamine releaser of choice and if they can get it faster if they can get it uh, more directly, if they can inhale it inhaling is a very rapid way of getting that substance right to the brain and nicotine um, however you get it there is um, really fast through, um, through smoking or through inhaling the vapor and as you said, David, the faster the high you get because you're getting the dose in much more quickly, the more addictive the substance. Also, the quicker out of the system, the more likely you are to have an addictive nature. And we're seeing people using these vapes a, a lot more frequently frequently even then they've been using nicotine we're going to take a break when we come back we're going to talk a little bit about this process and how people are getting more and more addicted thanks for listening
4: the disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge not just for the person suffering its effects but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp what should be the course of treatment who is the best person to render treatment and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like.
0: Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not... or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com You're listening to America's Web Radio on the Americas Broadcast Network.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. We are talking today about electronic nicotine delivery systems often known as vapes or um, e-cigarettes we're talking about some of the myths and some of the truths and right before we were talking about how toxic nicotine actually is in a liquid form and michael i think you found the amount it would take to kill you
3: yeah it 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 was saying that um less than one tablespoon of many of these e-liquids would be enough to kill an adult and less than a teaspoon for many children. And then this this article went on to say that that from September uh, 2010 to February of 2014 the number of calls to the emergency rooms rose 51.1%. It went from one call, um, one call per day to about forty-one point seven calls per day.
1: From poisoning from nicotine.
3: From yes, from the the children, and it was primarily children who had either gotten a hold of it, um, ingested some of it, or absorbed it through the skin, or somehow um, was Got showing of signs and, mm-hmm, of and symptoms.
1: So that is, um, that is certainly one way. We know nicotine, there is no safe level of nicotine in terms of exposure for, um, for pregnant women and for children, certainly. We know that nicotine is the highly addictive part of the tobacco plant and is the part that people become addicted to. We know that tobacco itself contains thousands of different Chemicals and a number of known carcinogens that promote cancer. This has been well documented, well studied. And one of the hopes, I think, for many people around the electronic nicotine delivery systems was the hope that this was going to be a safer method. We need to be really clear here. Most of these products have not been tested. Many of the uh, chemicals within these products are not necessarily known whether or not they're safe. So we think that it may be less harmful than smoking tobacco, but there are a number of things that we do know that have been identified as um, as being problematic. Those cigalike, I'm not going to say that right, the cigalike, the, the cigarette cigarette, L- looking uh, uh, electronic delivery systems uh, contain nanoparticles from the device itself mm-hmm. and this when they've tested these brands they have found high levels of nickel and chromium within uh, the vapor and the and the heating coils of these devices The look-alike cigarettes also contain low levels of cadmium, which is a very toxic metal that can cause breathing problems and a number of respiratory diseases. So we know that those particular devices have some significant problems. We know that some of the flavorings and additives, um, excuse me, before we go there, um, we know that some of the um, vapor from e-cigarettes that have a higher voltage um, battery in them also contain formaldehyde. And as you know, formaldehyde is a very toxic substance and can actually um, cause cancer. The flavorings in the e-cigarettes are also... Of a big concern. Not all the flavors are directed towards the kids, but um, many of the flavorings may be harmful on on their own. 81% of people who tried it said they tried a flavored brand, and diacetyl is a buttery flavoring that has been added in the past to popcorn and caramel corn and some dairy products. And this is often found in the liquids um, that contain the nicotine. This creates something called um, popcorn lung, which is a very dangerous and irreversible lung disease.
2: Um, yeah, it was interesting. There was a, an article on Facebook um, and so, of course, if you read an article on Facebook, you immediately think, well, this is just a hoax or somebody trying to scare people. Um, and, and so you go to various resources to check and see if this is true or not. And, and that article, what, what we were able to ascertain was that it came directly from the American Lung Association. And it, it talked up about how that chemical, um, di- diacetane?
1: Diacetyl or...
2: Di- um, th- uh, the scientific words have to go to dr. blank but that that particular chemical had been in the, the um, manufacturing for the buttered flavors and so the Purdue manufacturers were having real issues with their workers who were having the exposure from the, the from the powder and um, they had found that that specific chemical is in 41 um, percent of the different um, flavors for uh, Vaporizing—that's um, and, and a lot. It is, it's a, and the, the the fact that it's not a regulated industry yet, too fully, you don't really know if you're buying something that has this or not. You can't just assume if I don't buy something that's buttery flavored, I'm going to be safe because a lot of the different flavors are using various chemicals to to um, to achieve that flavor, um, and and this is the the popcorn lung is is. Um, The scarring, basically, of the air pockets in your lungs, and so you end up having a disease that that makes it hard to get any oxygen, makes you feel like you have COPD, makes you cough, Um, and again, as you said, not curable.
1: Right, and it's irreversible. Once the damage is done, it's done. So the um, diacetyl is in 41%. That is pretty amazing. And as you said, David, because this is relatively unregulated at this point, manufacturers don't have to list anything that's in the liquid.
2: So let me correct that. It's actually much higher. It's um, Researchers at Harvard had done a study and found that it was in 39 of 51 e-cigarette brands that were tested. Um, so just of the ones they were tested, that would be, what, 80%? Mm-hmm. A huge, huge number, seventy-eight percent.
1: That's um, that's a lot. Forty-one percent was a lot. This is uh, a lot more, and that's that's very worrisome because you are inhaling this. Part of the whole goal with whatever nicotine delivery system you choose is to get that into your lungs so that that can be absorbed quickly across the very thin membrane in your lung get into the bloodstream and go directly up the carotid arteries into your addiction center of your brain for the release of dopamine, which is the goal. So
2: but well, and part of what this article was talking about is that when new products come out or when new things come out, they usually have this window of opportunity, like three years before the government throws in all the regulations and that with this product being so popular among teenagers and, and young adults the damage that it could have can can really be substantial before mm-hmm. we even know what's going on.
1: So in summary about the e the cigarettes, they're very popular with young people, children. They've been readily available and hopefully that's becoming less and less since last August when the F D A said no, these cannot be sold to children, cannot be sold to anyone under the age of 18. They are popular. The amount of nicotine is highly variable. There have been no studies that have shown that they have actually successfully helped people stop smoking. Within the liquid is the poison nicotine itself, as well as other substances that are either in the liquid, in the um, device itself, Uh, that people are exposed to, and we don't know what other kinds of problems may come from this. We also know that these are expensive. They're not as easily and readily available as cigarettes, and because people feel like they can use these in places that they are now forbidden or, by law, they're not allowed to. They are actually smoking more. They're getting a higher level of nicotine. When they can't find the replacement liquid in the middle of the night or their battery runs down, they often go and pick up a regular cigarette and find that they're actually smoking more cigarettes to be able to keep from going into nicotine withdrawal and to achieve the same effect. So in essence their nicotine addiction actually increases Mm -hmm. for many people. And because the cost can be prohibitive, sometimes people go back to the regular cigarettes themselves. The marketing has been very strongly geared towards uh, young people. And this is of great concern because of the effect on the developing brain when it is exposed to nicotine, not just for the nicotine addiction, but also for the problems and the potential issues related to addiction to other substances. Young people who start smoking are much more likely to try other kinds of drugs, particularly marijuana and alcohol. So for many reasons, we're very glad that the Surgeon General came out with this report. We're also very glad that the FDA is taking over some oversight, and we hope that this um, problem will be uh, lessened over the next um, few years. Another kind of nicotine delivery system is called a hookah, and I have driven up and down the The road and have seen hookah bars, and for a long time wasn't really sure what that was all about. Uh, When I traveled to Turkey and to Malaysia, I saw a whole lot more of the hookahs and became more familiar, not that I used them, but certainly observed a number of people using these devices that help people get nicotine very quickly and in a more social setting. Mm-hmm. These are really interesting devices. I don't know if you've uh, if you're familiar with what these are and how these work.
2: So this is is a water pipe, um, and and so for me being a little bit older, it immediately made me think of a, smoking a different type of product through a water pipe. But but basically, a hookah pipe has has um a tank right. <laughs> that has water on it, and then at the top of it, there's like coal. Um, creating heat and and um, a hose coming out from the side that you breathe, you pull in from. So you're breathing the smoke through the water and then out to your lungs, um, having a, a supposedly a smoother cooling effect. Um, and the thing about it is, it's it's a very social means of, of smoking nicotine um, and smoking tobacco. So people do this at, at hookah bars. They sit around in groups and typically five or six people are are Um, sharing this same hose.
1: When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about hookahs and then a little bit about how can
0: you actually stop smoking. Please stay tuned. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
4: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Today from the Atlanta Healing Center, I have with me... Michael Daly and David Donaldson and we're talking about some alternative methods of delivering nicotine and we talked initially about the e-cigarettes. And now we're talking about this, the trend of the 21st century which is the water pipes or the hookahs. These are very popular among the 18 to 24 year olds. They're very popular near college campuses. They've been around for a long time. Centuries Hundreds. ago, um, they were started in ancient Persia and India, and um, they th- think that the first hookah was actually a coconut that um, the smoke was filtered through the milk to cool the smoke and to allow a larger and longer ingestion of the um, of the. Uh, tobacco smoke so they've been around for a while and as you were saying before the break David, this has become a real social thing so rather than someone running out on their um, 15 minute break or on their lunch hour to smoke out behind the building where they hope nobody's going to yell at them for being too close people are making dates meeting up, spending time at the hookah bar
2: and spending lots of money. Mm-hmm. I was actually talking to the parent of, of one of our clients who's who had started um, enjoying a hookah bar as a means of relaxing. And, and the parent said that they would spend, for four guys sitting around this this thing, it would be at least $20 a piece that they would spend. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like 40 Up to $40. dollars um, i um, sharing this, this hookah pipe. Um and and so it's it's been treated as a um a social place and it's these special hookah bars that have been exempted from the clean air act in many many um um counties a lot of counties are really kind of coming to terms with hey why is this going on and they're trying to come back up and, and put some regulation on that but but for the most part they've been exempted um and so they're they're um, smoke-filled places that, that people are experiencing secondhand smoke um, and what I found was interesting as we were talking about this was that the cancer rates must be hu- huge in India and in some of the countries where this has been going on for a long time um, and so I was, I was looking that up and, and what was interesting was the Indian the press in India is, is really making a lot of noise about the fact that there's no research done in India all of the research about cancer and the relationship between nicotine and, and cancer has been coming from other countries, and, and um, apparently the cancer rate for tobacco-related cancers in India is, is very, very high, but there's no actual, actual statistics on it that this, this research is being kept out of that, that nation.
1: Very, very interesting. And one of the reasons that you are even mentioning the... Um, the, the concern about the, the cancer rate is the rate at which people are smoking
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the amount of tobacco, nicotine, that they are actually being exposed to when they go to a hookah bar for 45 minutes or an hour.
3: Right. In a, in a typical one-hour long uh, hookah smoking session, um, that usually involves about 200 puffs. So a person will do about 200 puffs. Um, One cigarette is usually generally about 20 puffs. Uh, But the interesting thing is that um, the volume of smoke inhaled during a typical session is about 90,000 milliliters um, compared to 500 to 600 with a cigarette. So if you think about that, you know, um, 90,000 compared to five or six hundred it's, it's really astronomical and they say that um, a one hour session of hookah is equivalent
2: to smoking a hundred cigarettes or basically five packs of cigarettes um, in the course of that hour yeah
1: and one of the reasons they take such deep inhales and that they are exposed longer is because of the Cooling. water pipe that the smoke is cooled through either water. Sometimes they'll add wine. So now Probably
3: if they're doing it at home, they'd add wine or whatever. Right. Right. Beverage of choice is
1: and the tobacco itself is actually heavily flavored, flavored. as maybe the the water or the liquid that it's going through. So um, they may be um, banana, apple flavored, rose, tutti frutti, chocolate, strawberry. All of these different flavors are very common as um, as additives to make the smoking more pleasurable. They're smoking deeper, they're smoking longer, they're holding the, the smoke in their lungs, and they're exposing themselves to up to five packs of cigarettes in a 45-minute session. That is pretty amazing, well, especially when people think that this is a very casual thing and not really at all dangerous or worrisome.
3: The article I was reading um, said that in Turkey, where, where it initially... They think started a lot of it, you know, the hookah bars and hookah cafes. Mm-hmm. Um, but years ago, they, they started adding the flavoring so that they could bring the women around to, to getting women to start using the hookah because most women did not. And and they still, um, now they, almost everyone has flavored, but um, it, it was initially done to attract women.
1: So if your young people are going to hookah bars, if you yourself are going to a hookah bar, you need to think very carefully about the amount of very toxic carcinogenic substances that you are exposing yourself to. So, this is not necessarily a way that people try and stop smoking, obviously, like the, um, the purpose of many folks using the electronic cigarettes. But there are ways in which you can stop smoking and stop using nicotine that I think are very, very important and that we should spend just, um, the last few minutes on these. There's seven different um, FDA-approved products. Two of them are medications, and um, the others are nicotine delivery systems that can help people stop smoking. So we have the two medications, bupropion and varenicline, which are um, commonly known as Welbutrin or Zyban, or... These are prescribed medications, and the patients usually take them for about three months. They act in slightly different ways, but they are shown to be quite successful in helping people stop smoking, particularly if they are combined with a nicotine replacement product like a nicotine patch, nicotine gum, nicotine lozenge, or a nicotine inhaler um, or or nasal spray that um, patients can use to get a very quick delivery of nicotine. At the Atlanta Healing Center, we also have a nicotine balm, which is a topical nicotine that you would apply to your wrists. And this allows immediate uptake of the nicotine very quickly. So if you're having an acute craving, that you can deal with it uh, in that way rather than reaching for a cigarette, a pipe, uh, a cigar, whatever method that you are trying to avoid using. So its it's been really well shown that about 70% of current smokers really want to not smoke and Mm -hmm. want to stop smoking, that most people take a long time, multiple tries, but when they combine a medication and a nicotine replacement system, they're usually pretty successful.
3: I think they say that about 42% of people who smoke try to quit in a year. Right. So that means that (laughs) of all these smokers, 42% want to quit and,
2: and do at least one episode of trying. Mm-hmm. Each year. Each, Each year. year. Um, so that's new information that you could be on Chantex as well as nicotine replacement?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, there was some concern before and there was um, some FDA um, warnings on the nicotine replacement products, those um have been removed or are about to be removed, um, and studies show that yes, you can use those together, and that they're quite successful.
2: The other, the other thing that I think is important to tell people is that the main reason that nicotine repli- replacement products don't work is that people quit using them too quickly. Um, they'll they'll be using them and they'll have a slip, and they'll think this didn't work, and they'll go back to smoking a full pack that same day, and and. What they need to know is that once they've started, they need to just keep using that nicotine replacement until it works. Um, and using support networks like you would with any other recovery, going to um, 12-step meetings is very effective for um, um people who want to quit smoking. And there are 12-step meetings that don't have smoking for them to go to.
1: Exactly. And if you need more help, please call us at the Atlanta Healing Center. And we will see you all next week on Detailing Addiction. Thanks for listening.
0: Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend. That needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery.